this is hilarious. There's even a, a mod for Battlefront 2 that removes the head and the hands of Count Dooku in, <laughs> in the game. What? So you can play as him uh, as a playable character without his head and without his hands, like post uh, episode three. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. That's so meta and I love yeah. it. Yeah. Uh. That's great. I feel like it's been a while since we did like a topic specific. We sort of been doing a lot of current news yeah. or whatever we've been playing. And George, you had a really fun idea of something to talk about. Yeah. I have recently gotten back into a game called Terraria. For those of you that don't know, look it up. It's an amazing game. It's like a meta uh, Minecraft. And the reason I got back into the game was because I found a Pandora's box, if you will, of content for the game that was created by some fans. So this phenomenon of fan-made content added to a game, what is it? It's called modding. Modding. Modding? <laughs> yes. What do you mean? Modding is modifying a game from what it was originally created to be and people add content like graphic textures, modes, different modes of play, people will take what was originally designed as the core experience for the game. And as they played it, they're like, huh, it would be really fun to do this in the game. Mm -hmm. And so they went in and added their own experience. Some of them are really cool. Some people have created whole new games from modding. Well, let me ask you this. Have you guys ever, so we're talking about mods. Yeah. Have you guys ever heard a core original developer intended experience called the vanilla game? Have you ever heard yes. this term before? No. So it, I think it's in reference to like the way the game was packaged and sent out with no modifications of any kind, just that core regular, you know, vanilla experience, I guess is the term that gets used. And then anything you do to tamper with that you're, you're going off script. So like we're not playing the vanilla experience anymore. You've done something to, to change it. I feel like that's it. a harsh label, the vanilla, because I think in other contexts, it's like, oh, that's so plain and boring. But I mean, the way you're describing it, it's like you could have a super awesome game that just hasn't been modded, but that doesn't make it vanilla. So yeah, I think modding is really cool because you're getting much more than what you would normally get for you know your game. Um, that will obviously depending on the game and depending on the community uh, or the popularity of the game um, sparks all of these modifications because people love the game so much that they want to kind of create their own experiences and put their own ideas into um, the game. So you, you talk generally about modding kind of what it is in a general sense, but what are some games that you played where modding has taken things into a new stratosphere? Well, I think most people who would be listening would know the game Skyrim. Um, it's pretty popular. I'm trying so hard not to do the Postura. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, for I guess those of you that don't know what Skyrim is or have never heard of Skyrim, uh, do yourself a favor and look that up because you are missing out tremendously. Yeah, say goodbye to a year of your life. So good. Skyrim, even the core game itself, the vanilla version. Mm, vanilla Skyrim. Vanilla Skyrim. <laughs> Yummy. There's already an insane amount of stuff that you can do and customize to your own, you know, particular, you know, likes and but people were not satisfied with that. They had to take it to the next level. And you can bring, you know, your friends from your childhood, like Thomas the Tank Engine as a fightable dragon. Yes, oh my God, <laughs> so dumb. Or, you know, SpongeBob SquarePants is like the uh, <laughs> one of the, you know, en many enemies that you can uh, kill. Yeah, just like crazy stuff like that. But there's a couple Skyrim mods that were created by a team of people mm. that included voice acting, completely new parts of the map that they created themselves, Enderol, was created by a group of people in Germany. Um, of course. <laughs> Germans at it again. 
right? <laughs> and they made a completely brand new game, like a entirely brand new game. Like it doesn't, I mean, it might use old assets from Skyrim, but is its own standalone game where people have probably played at least, you know, sunk a hundred hours worth of playable time That's in so this cool. game, which yeah. is like, holy crap. Do you know about Falscar? No. A single person did a very similar thing. I don't think it's as robust as that experience because my understanding of Enderall is that it's like almost a self-contained experience. So the, yeah, they're recycling assets, but like those are just building blocks and they did like an entire story and characters and voiceover and it's very interesting. Motion capture too. <laughs> it's crazy. Really crazy. We don't like modeling and texturing, but we like everything else. So we'll just steal <laughs> those. It's cool. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. But so this false guard project, it was a single person. The scope of it is comparable to, I played a good chunk of it. And to answer your question, the way that this one works is you actually trigger it in the vanilla game mm -hmm. experience. Oh, it's an NPC. You talk to an NPC. So it exists within the original game and then through avenues that are, are, seem very natural and just woven into the natural experience, you find yourself in a totally new place and it's huge and there's new people and there's voice acting and then there's new things to do and it's very exciting and there's a new faction and all this stuff. So the person who went through all the trouble of making that was doing this in hopes that he would be recognized and then get a job in the game industry and that happened. So his name is on here, so I'm going to say it because this person deserves a shout out. Alexander Veliki. probably butchered that, but he, so Bethesda is the developer slash distributor of uh, Skyrim, but he didn't get a job at Skyrim. Or he didn't get a job <laughs> at Bethesda. He wishes he got he a, wishes job he have a job at Skyrim. Skyrim. <laughs> There's actually, he is in Skyrim. He made himself in Skyrim now. Uh, he got a senior designer job at Bungie. Mm. Isn't that cool? That's crazy. Yeah. So they saw that and they're like, dude, get your butt in here. Yeah. That's so cool. So apparently he got that job in the season where the Destiny was in development still. Mm -hmm. So I guess he got to have a hand in that. That is so cool. Yeah, so the weird. modding stuff is like has impact outside of the scope of people just like yeah. making stuff for their own pleasure. Well, I, th I mean, I think you can take it, this kind of formula and system to you know, other media outlets as well. I mean, the film industry is kind of the same way people get recognized for short films and that sort of stuff mm -hmm. and end up becoming a part of a production studio and end up becoming, you know, the next big thing. So yeah, it's it's really it's really cool that, you know, somebody who made a add-on for a game is now making a brand new game that everybody is playing. Yeah, and I, that's really cool. And what's really crazy about all of this stuff is most of it out there is free content. It's because you know people made it you know for the love of the game, and and uh, they're like, here you go, which is awesome. All these people love the game, and they make all these mods, and then Nexus gets filled with terabytes worth of terabytes worth of crazy modding things that are all free, and some of them rise up to be very high quality. They develop a reputation inside of like, if you, you know, if you're even entertaining the idea of modding Skyrim, it's like, what's the first thing you're gonna wanna do? Probably mess with the visual fidelity on some level. So there's like all these like, oh, 2K textures. And then there's like an unofficial patch mod that fixes a lot of like the bugginess, the Bethesda bugginess. And it's fairly stable. And so there's like this configuration that you can do where you can get a, a handful of stuff from Nexus and then it's like you're pay, you're playing this game that came out in, help me out here, George. Do you, when was it released? Original Skyrim? Let me guess. 2011. Yeah, so 2011. So I think when I got into this, it was like 2015, 16-ish. With the suite of mods, if you were able to assemble them in the right way. You could basically take that game into something that was outdated and turn it into something that's modern, which is really cool because the core experience is the same. They're telling the same stories, but for people who want to experience that in a little bit more of a luxurious way, or they want it to you know, match their hardware on their PC. HD remaster, basically. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Twilight Princess HD, but Skyrim. 
Anyways, so this whole like suite of high quality mods comes out. They develop a reputation, and like, of course, Bethesda sees this, and hmm. <laughs> there's money attached to this. So I don't know. This had to have been in the works, I think, for a while before the special edition was released. But and this is unconfirmed, but I am of the opinion that these really high quality mods, a lot of them, especially some of the more unique ones that are related to like. Uh, specific survival aspects like getting cold and being or being getting wet and being in a cold environment does something over time to your health and the basic stuff like you have to eat more and the god rays and all this random stuff basically they take all of these different features that are really popular mods and they package it into skyrim and re-release it for a full 60 retail and they're like hey this is spe skyrim special edition which is like Honestly, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. But you could easily, and it's very stable, but you could, in a weird way, you could create a much better version of that from the vanilla game if you have enough modding knowledge, which it's very easy to access. Like you're saying, like the accessibility for it is very high because all these well-regarded mods are fairly stable and they work, they play nice with each other. So you can get all this stuff and not run the risk of like being, you know, like level 70 and then yeah. all of a sudden it's just like everything's falling apart. Right. So. Well, it's been around, now that it's been around for, you know, eight years or so, people have had time with it. And so people that haven't, you know, really modded it or um, can co come in and easily pick up because there's, you know, a community that's, you know, had a lot of experience and are able to help those that aren't, you know, that are having trouble with, because they probably have encountered some of the same issues with their game. Can I install these mods on my Nintendo Switch version of Skyrim? Actually, you can. <laughs> really? I am yeah. not kidding. That oh. is a thing now. Well, okay. Can you believe it? I don't. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wait, do, you, do you have Skyrim on your Switch? I, I bought it because oh. I never played Skyrim because I didn't have a, I didn't have a machine to play it on when it came out. Oh my god. And now you have this Pandora's box. And so I have a Switch and then it came out on the Switch because they needed to release it on everything. I'm like, oh okay. I'll pick it up. And it's still in plastic. So maybe that's the next game I play. I'd be interested to see what you think of it. I wonder if there is a, a Xenoblade mod, maybe. I would not be surprised <laughs> if there was. <laughs> you guys give me the Skyrim mod and you guys get a Xenoblade mod or something. Yes, and then we'll trade. Yeah. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm sure the Xenoblade <laughs> stuff would be... Actually, I don't know if it'd be weirder. There's a lot of really weird... There's already weird. Uh, you don't need to mod that game. It's not vanilla. It's, been <laughs> it's very much not vanilla. It's like rainbow swirl bubblegum <laughs> with sprinkles and marshmallows. But uh, I don't know. I think modding... While it's really interesting to see clips that people upload of cool, funny mods, like I, I'll always click those because it's hilarious. Um, <laughs> riding a Thomas the Tank Engine <laughs> dragon is hilarious. <laughs> the idea of me implementing a mod or trying to figure that out is really intimidating to me because it just seems like I don't want to break my stuff. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, wanna, yeah. I'm so afraid of, of that. Mm. And even though you're talking about all these, they're really stable, and I wouldn't even know the first thing about, you know, doing that. Well, I imagine not not having used extensively kind of the mod kit that they've made for Skyrim. I imagine it's much easier in that to enable and disable um, modifications because it's been made available for you know consoles. You have that ability to kind of insert and um, pull out different um, modifications, whereas in it can get a little hairy sometimes on the PC because they're you're downloading all the you know files and content and you have to put those in the right place and have certain software and that kind of stuff to run some of the content. So the mod kit is basically like an application installer. It runs it's a it streamlined. Yeah, Ooh, yeah, of. that sounds like right up my alley. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I think one of the things that you brought up, Robert, that's really cool is adding content to games that are either upon release or after a while are unfinished or buggy. And so Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic 
Mm. <laughs> that is such a good game. Yeah, it is. Oh, man. Don't get me started. They made a sequel. Yeah, they did. Um, Star Wars of the Old Republic 2. Weirdly, though, I'm not sure why the game was uh, rushed for release. Apparently, they got closer towards the end, and they had to... They're like, oh, crap, we don't have any more time. Here you go. So it came out extremely buggy, and there was content in the game that was unfinished. I'm not sure if it was potentially the developers that went back afterwards or if it was a passionate group of uh, modders that went and basically restored the content that wasn't finished so you got a fully fleshed out game. Wasn't that nice of them? How about that? So it was baked into the game, but it wasn't part of the vanilla experience. Right. I gotcha. Hmm. So they unlocked the full potential. Right. Which otherwise would have been hidden away forever. Yeah. Oh. Which is really cool. It is cool. Um, Bioware RIP. <laughs> yeah. Do we need to talk about Anthem? A great, yeah, another great game right. company that everyone jumped ship after the glory days. Anyways, nope, not going down there. I think it's really cool that while I think for the monopolized or the corporatized version of paid mods is not looked upon well, I think Steam actually implemented this fairly on. I think they were one of the first people that actually did it. They implemented to their community a way to for people to pay for mods that people were making. Mm. And it was shut down very quickly Yeah, because there was a lot of backlash. But at the same time, I'm like, I think... Wait, wait, pause. Backlash from who? The community. So not from, like, the game companies? Because like, up until then, because that was WTF, the first time... WTF, you're messing up my game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and you're getting paid for <laughs> it. Uh, because up until then, that was the first time, really, that people had to pay for content that people from the community created. And so not surprisingly, people were pretty upset that a popular mod for a game that they really like, they have to deal out money for it. Was this before DLC and all that? Because, I don't know, all this discussion around mods like are very much to me in the, in the fan art realm like it's the equivalent is the gaming equivalent of fan art right it's not, it's not technically your ip but you know you at this right on the side are doing this for fun and you're allowing other people to experience that fun you're creating for yourself mm-hmm. just like a lot of fan art or fan fiction or whatever but like the minute you cross into the i'm gonna charge for this now that gets real sticky. And I because you're using someone else's content, like that's a whole moral conundrum <laughs> there and getting paid for it. But then there's also the side, like ignore that. Like I do think that, you know, people shouldn't be outraged that you want money for it. You're, you're putting your hours into it. it it's, it's like any other profession. I don't know, I get upset when like the community gets mad because they want some compensation for all their work for you to use it. I find that ridiculous. Yeah. I don't, I don't. So how, out of curiosity, do you know how that's handled in fan art world? Like if someone, I don't know, like say they get some kind of a following and they're very popular and they're really good at like some particular art style and they have this favored either IP or set of IPs that they're kind of known for making new content for and they want to start charging for their art. Do you know how that works? Or have you seen that? It's like a start charging. I feel like it was always there from the beginning. Like, hey, this blog I have, I'm posting art because I am willing to do that. I'm willing to share that. Hmm. But then a lot of times, often they have a store on the side. If you like it, go buy stuff. So it, Hmm. I like, that's why I found when you said that the community was outraged and not the game companies, I found that surprising because I feel like that's already exists in the community, in the fandom communities of... You know, you, you should compensate. They are creators. That's what they're doing. So. Well, I think it, it's, and, and obviously it was up, I think, to their discretion as far as whether a mod was a thing that they wanted to charge for. So my my best guess on this without having hard evidence is that there are likely publishers and developers who police uh, to as much as they can to keep things vanilla because they like it like that and that's how they make their money because it's 
in their business interest to do so. But for a lot of the really popular things that really take off, the just the overwhelming volume, I just, I have no idea how you would keep it under control. Like, I know that's not really the best excuse for... From a game company? Yeah. Yeah. To quantify the amount of mods that exist for Skyrim is just like beyond someone to even count at this yeah. point. It's, it's it's huge. Astronomical. So maybe that's a reason now for more modern stuff. Um, but then it's also, it's like on some level as a developer, when you develop a game, even if it isn't your original intent, if you release it into PC world, that's kind of what you are getting yeah. into that economy of like, mm-hmm. that's what PC is all about. People build PCs because they want to play games exactly how they want to play them. I want to turn the graphics all the way up and I want to do exactly what I want to finagle with my experience. And there's money to be made there. So it's almost like an exchange. It's like mm-hmm. when you engage with that audience, that's almost like the, uh, the deal with the devil that you make with them. It's yeah. like I know you're going to f it up, but you're also going to get you're going to buy the game again. Yeah. So I I never understood. I mean, I think this applies to all art games as art. It falls under that umbrella for me, but like when an artist puts out their work, that work is not just for them anymore. It's for the world and they're going to interpret it. The audience is going to interpret it how they interpret it. You can try to dictate as much as you want, but it's, you know, legally it's yours, but like the the world is Everyone interprets art differently. So whether it's people playing with mods and manipulating it how they like that way, you know, that's just another form of that. Yeah, there's no clear line as to what dictates is like, oh, this should rightfully be paid for or because it's your own thing or you're taking something that's pre-existing and you're kind of just rearranging it and And giving it to... Initially, like, that's for you, right? You have... Like, if you want to do that, like, if I wanted to go take up a Harry, take a Harry Potter book and cut it up or rewrite it for me, like, that's my prerogative. Yeah. Um, where it starts. And now with the internet, it's really easy to share your own fan work or mods with others. If it remains unpaid, there shouldn't be a problem with that. It's just you're creating fandom and really artists should get on board with that because it's building hype and people that generally love your work as the base of that fandom. Um, but yeah, when, when you start stepping into the like, oh, I want to charge for this fan work, like, ooh, that's, that's tough. Yeah. But I also think I it's like it's the choice of the, you know, people that are using it. I think it would be probably potentially an issue as if it were there were pre-existing mods that now you have to pay for. If it was something, I could understand if it was like new content and you immediately charge up front for that to, in order to experience that. But if it's stuff that's been around for a little while, and now all of a sudden people have to pay for that, then, dude, yeah, I could definitely understand. But I also think it's cool that somebody's, you know, idea and, you know, time and energy that was put into something like that, that you could get compensated for that. As Absolutely. An, yeah, as an artist, I, that's great. Yeah. But because that art is being done on someone else's work, it throws everything into question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. That is solidly right in the middle of a gray area. Oh my gosh. And it kind of depends on like the implementation. It's like, what exactly are you doing? Yeah. I don't know. But then there's like classical postmodern art where they like take older art and then they mess with it and then they sell that. It's like, well, isn't that the same thing? Just, but the original (laughs) creators are dead so they can't complain (laughs) about it. Like, (laughs) so, oh gosh, that's a hole. That's a rabbit hole. Yes, it is. But yeah, I think generally it's, it's, really cool that you know people have it, it's gotten to the point where it's acknowledged by game companies like that they're willing to hire these awesome modders um, and they they see the skill that goes into it yeah and there's a lot of level mods that are the equivalent of what would be DLC for you know games so okay so to your point Jesse mm-hmm. about individuals doing mod content and it existing somewhat of a gray area when they're asking for money. So that whole thing was a thing for a while before Bethesda was like, oh, we're going to take all of our major IPs where there are existing mods and implement our own system that is paid but solves the problem of the instability slash the ease of access problem. Basically, it got baked into Fallout 4, Skyrim Special Edition, and a few others 
where on the main menu, there's a place you can go and download mod content that is basically sanctioned by them, Mm -hmm. that it's stable, it's high quality, it's like of the caliber of what could be put in the game and they're okay with that. Um, And then it's like, it's literally just an easy thing. You just click and then it downloads and then it's integrated. You don't have to do all this like, with the Nexus application, you have to make sure that, like George, you were saying about the load order, downloading everything and not getting a virus, like that's step one, but then you have to go in there and actually have to understand how that stuff stacks and how it relates to each other. And imagine like you download like 15 things, which is like a, probably a minimum of what most people would do and the complexity of that already. Like you have to read like these long mm-hmm. multi-page documents. You have like a readme file or whatever that mm-hmm. comes with it. Yeah. And for the most part, they're not too bad if you have some idea of what you're doing. But the deeper down the rabbit hole that you get and the more either less popular or more complex mods, there's more involved to get those up and running stably. So are you saying that Bethesda officially in their later releases of their game basically saw that was there's this a plethora of free <laughs> DLC... <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. fan-made DLC yeah. so they just made a part on their game f- to easily access it yeah and it's it, that's that's awesome they like they fully embraced it that's so cool yeah it is cool and yeah. I think it really is great for like you shared that not fear but that kind of like apprehension about potentially getting into that world because it mm-hmm. can get a little dicey and technical and stuff they basically like they charge you a little bit of a premium mm-hmm. for that ease of access and that peace of mind but it's built in. So, and it's not, it's different than like a paid DLC where you go get it as a separate thing. It's downloaded, all that. It's like, it's very small little bits. It's kind of my microtransaction-y maybe a little bit. Cause like, oh, here's this new weapon. Here's this new like piece of head armor or whatever. But the way that it works is more, I guess it's just presented more as like a modding. It's presented, it is the mods, but it is presented in a way that gives it that, you know, yeah. appearance. Do, do people that create the mods have to like submit it to Bethesda to have it included mm. or? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm curious how the, that Under would. the hood. Yeah. I don't know. There's like an entire works. division of the company where they just QC mod content. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Or if like, if because it's a paid thing, if there's some sort of compensation that goes to the people that created, you know. I could really see there being no compensation but just uh, it's like, no, you get to be in the game. But, I get, but if it yeah. was free, you know, from you know, the first place, then, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. You get to have your name on there. Yeah, (laughs) here's your name embedded. So let's say you play Skyrim a little bit, and you're like, wow, holy shit, this is as awesome as everyone says, which Mm -hmm. I don't really see you saying that, but we'll see. (laughs) So you play for a little bit, and you're like, oh, I'm going to mess around with some stuff. Because after a while, like, it gets very samey. It's just like any game. Like, it seems huge at first, then you're like, yeah, every sword is basically the same. Mm-hmm. It was huge for when it released, but in today's context, yeah, it's probably, there's so many games that are even larger than Skyrim is and can feel kind of stale. But let's say you get down the road a little bit and you're starting to feel that way and you want to spice things up a little bit. Would you be willing to engage in this creation kit? Would you be able, would you be willing to, in in theory, drop money on like oh I'm gonna get like this little I mean don't obviously you wouldn't tell anyone in real life but like would you do it (laughs) if I knew for sure I wouldn't break my console or my game yeah definitely okay yeah yeah Yeah, there was was... like a one upfront fee and you get the whole thing yeah access to all of it yeah I would definitely do that cool (laughs) (laughs) I didn't really have a point there I was just honestly curious that mean no the point is that more developers should get on board with embracing mod mm. culture mm. yeah but to your point about you know the the potential issues of obviously you can't see what i'm actually doing <laughs> in the podcast but i am waving my finger around and pointing to people to your point yeah to my to your point today <laughs> and i'm pointing pointing very aggressively <laughs> uh pa- yes to your point about possibility of breaking your game because all of the programming code works and the procedural instances and adding this new stuff that's homebrewed into the game, there's causes for crashes and errors and 
you know, game safe cor- corruption and all that kind of stuff and having to, you know, unfortunately for if it's a cartridge type deal, you got to buy the whole new cartridge if it's <laughs> oopsie <laughs> uh-oh yikes but if it's you know a pc thing it's a simple thing of just you know reinstalling the files or whatever redownloading the you know content uh, yeah just reinstall windows yeah just re- just reinstall your whole operating system why don't you <laughs> <laughs> yeah to that um there's also another version of game breaking that is stable mods that detract from what the game was originally designed for doom Three, I believe, whichever one has the one where you uh, you have to swap back and forth between your flashlight and your weapon. That's Doom Three. Doom Three. Somebody made a mod where you don't have to constantly swap back and forth. Mm. You can just keep both up because I guess some people, you know, thought it was kind of an annoyance there. But for those that maybe not, you know, maybe have heard things here saying that kind of stuff, and then they get into the game. And they're like, oh, I want this uh, mod because I don't want to have to deal with going back and forth. And mm-hmm. but a lot of people would also argue, <laughs> a lot of people would also argue that you're getting the bowl half full because that's part of the experience and the immersion of the game is the franticness of not being able to have your gun while you're, yeah. you know, holding your flashlight up. Yeah, that's breaking the intention of the game it's not like it's like with skyrim it sounds like a lot of you want a shinier helmet or a colorful outfit but this is like purposely breaking that it's not helping or aiding or add-on it's it's creating a stupid easy mode and a lot of mods do that a lot of mods will add if you know if it's a weapon type based game they'll add weapons that blow the roof off of what the parameters are for the strength of the weapon Oh, this is a medieval uh, game with with swords and shields. No, we're gonna put an AK forty seven in there. Exactly. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> like, like or it'll what? be an, it'll be Can't something from two thousand. It'll be <laughs> something ridiculous, like an AK forty seven that shoots rockets. <laughs> or sharks. Automatic. Sharks. Or, sh- or sharks. Or sharks. Oh Cannons that shoot sharks. Um, Why not? Yeah, I'd play it. So that you can understand the how very quickly and very easily it can <laughs> break the game, but it's also pretty funny you too. create a new game and it's called like the time traveler or something right. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah but that's also what's really cool with you know creating the new exper- uh, new experiences and you know putting new ideas into these games is it's created in some instances kind of like the uh, Enderall in Skyrim there have been patches that have been made for games that eventually became its own game that was released to the public. It's like a major release. Mm-hmm. Daisy, anybody? Mm-hmm. It's a roller coaster ride of a reputation, but yeah, <laughs> it was hugely successful for a long time. Yes. It was a really early entry, very successful early entry in the post-apocalyptic survival multiplayer open world, somewhat of a battle battle royale, but it wasn't really like the refined version of the formula. Yeah. It was like an early tinkering with that. Yeah, it was like, it, and I think in some ways kind of opened the door towards what eventually has come to as Fortnite and PUBG and all that kind of stuff is one of the earlier iterations of that type of gameplay was created from a patch from a game that's very obscure Mm. that I do not remember the name of but when you hear it you'll be like oh yeah I've I've never heard of that Arma 2 it's not that obscure I've never heard of Arma oh really Mm -mm. well no no you're right it is obscure it's very the audience is extremely narrow so Bohemia Interactive made the Arma series, which is like an ultra realistic army sim. It's like you have to press like four buttons to crouch type thing. It's very detailed. But so it was a good framework. Yeah, so there was a patch created for that game It was before it was called Daisy, And apparently Arma did pretty well because one of the primary reasons for it was because of the patch because it, it caught on and people were buying the game purely to play the patch. <laughs> you failed as a game maker <laughs> if that happens. But it was a it was its own experience, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, it, yeah, that's 
this is pretty funny, um, and became DZ. But there's other games like that as well. Gary's Mod, which is more of a PC. Um, Dude, I've put like <laughs> probably like 200 hours in that game. Yeah, I, it's, I'm not it's insane. What's, what's Gary's Mod? Gary's Mod is a add-on for, for that came from Half-Life 2. It's now its own thing where you can essentially play games that people have created mm-hmm. in this. And it's, I don't know how to properly describe it. It's, this, this, this is what Gary's <laughs> Mod is, okay? This is, I'm hanging my head in shame as it I was, describe it in was, detail. It was made by a man named Gary. I would hope so. Who but, went on to make Rust, which is extremely yes. popular, similar to Daisy in a certain way, but it's a first person version. And it's actually, it's more akin to Ark, but okay, but we're anyway. getting beside myself. <laughs> So Gary's mod is, it's a blank slated version of the Half-Life engine. Have you ever heard of a tabletop simulator? Yeah. Is it, no? Yeah. It's it's like that, it's a, it's a similar thing like that where you can play all these like board games on mm-hmm. like kind of this blank slate yeah. and you, people create their own boards and whatnot, I'm sorry. Yeah, so it's analogous in that it's a blank slate, but very different in that it is a, it's basically that, or Mm -hmm. first person shooters. So it's like assets from Halo and assets from all kinds of stuff, (laughs) Minecraft, whatever you want, all the things, all the popular things, and it's like put them in a melting pot and then you can download all of these mods. Mm -hmm. That's the whole point of the game. You pick and choose your mods and then you make your own game essentially. So you can do things like set rules, you can set parameters, you can set time limits, you can set stock count, you can do all these like, it's very, whatever. You imagine what you want it to be and then you take on all this crap and then you make it into something. Aren't there yeah. like actual games though? Like uh, the RPG Maker and mm-hmm. even like what Nintendo hopped on board with the yep. Super Mario Maker. But I think it's even more robust than that because there is literally a game mode where it's a form of hide and seek. The object of the game is obviously not to get caught and and one person is it and that person has a gun. You don't have a gun and you have like 60 seconds or something like that to go and find a object in the game to become. So like a lamp, a bowl of fruit or something like that. And (laughs) the idea is to survive long enough that they don't find you and shoot you. Okay. So yeah, it's weird stuff like yeah. that. Oh. It, no, yeah, that's that. It's exactly but it's literally like any said. of the assets in the game. Your your avatar can become. Okay. Huh. That that's very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> On paper, it doesn't sound like very interesting, but when you get a, a group of your friends in yeah, there, yeah. it gets really intense really quickly. Okay. So do you like go into the mod, carries mod, and then there's a bunch of user made things mm-hmm. you could select to play? Yeah. Okay. Or you can make your own. My mother gave her life so she could raise me, and that's what I did. But I played 200 hours of McGarry's mod. I'd kill myself. <laughs> so that's an, So then there's a whole different kind of sphere. So it's similar to what you're talking about with Super Mario Maker and all these things. All of the long-standing, different, totally different Mario universe entries, major title releases, have been put into like a melting pot and turn into Super Mario Bros. 3 mix. It's the aesthetic of Super Mario Bros. 3. It's all the same character models and worlds and assets and all that stuff, but they have done chiptune versions of Mario Galaxy music, for example. And they've done things like interesting things to like mimic the the gravity kind of shtick in that game and turn it into like a 2D thing. So you're kind of getting to like play a eight world like fully fleshed out complete game in Super Mario Bros. 3 style but it borrows and it uses assets and music and characters and all these things from the newer games it's really cool it's like the reverse of an HD remake real quick Mm -hmm. SD remake for those that may not know what are assets we're a little late to be defining assets (laughs) yeah what's an asset assets are anything from the music content the sound files the animations of the game, things like vehicles, all that kind of building stuff. Blocks. The building blocks of the game. Yeah, the pieces. They're yeah. pieces. Right, the assets. Some games were popular, you know, X amount of years ago, and it's been some time, 
and you want to live the good old days and play those games again, um, but they're not quite the same <laughs> as you remember them. You uh, you pull up a game that you played in like 98 and it's like not exactly the same that you remember playing it when you uh, first played it back N- then. Nostalgia mods? Oh yeah. <laughs> Is that what you're well, talking about? Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> the specific game that I played a crap load as a kid that nobody knows called Free Space 2. It's a kind of like a space flight simulator slash um, adventure game. Mm. And 95% of the game takes place in a fighter that you, as you play through the story, you acquire new fire, new fighters, new weapons and that stuff. And you get to pick and choose which fighter you want to use for a particular mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, the story is really good, actually. Um, it's got a lot of there's a lot of twists and turns and they like throw stuff at you that you don't see coming kind of blows your mind. You're like, Oh crap, I have to fight this now. Anyway, years ago, it was probably like in 2014. I recently picked up the game again. Cause I couldn't remember the name. I was like, what was that game that I played as a kid? That was a lot of fun. This like you fly in the spaceship thing. And I finally found it and I booted it up cause it took forever because it's an old outdated game. Uh, it was like Windows 2000 or something like that. <laughs> and I was like, wow, this is this game is not how I really remember it. It was fun, but I was like, yeah, this is not the same. Did a little research and found out that there is a mod for it that updates the um, – is a huge graphical overhaul for the game. Um, everything from textures to resolution to um, user interface and that sort of stuff, uh, HUD and all that kind of whatnot, um, has been updated for you know the modern era. So I downloaded that and it was a it was really cool to see because it was really high quality. It was really cool to see the amount of work and how much of like an elevated playing experience it was to be able to truly relive the nostalgia days oh that's cool was that a free mod yeah it was a free mod Mm. and i didn't think it would be around because i was like this game i don't know really anybody who knows of you know of this game and lo and behold there's a there's a mod for it yell really loudly out your window if you recognize this game so george can hear you and you can bond over nostalgia (laughs) (laughs) cool cool yeah well, I'm going to throw in one more category, mod category, because so far it sounds like to me, we've talked about there's mods that don't really detract from ex- an experience. You, it adds like the Skyrim mods, makes it different, um, doesn't really hurt the game, it just adds to it and makes it weird and different. There's the game, there's the mods that hurt and intentionally break games, like that Doom 3 one. I've also know that there are mods that are made that are intentionally trying to fix a game that they think are broken. Mm-hmm. And the main one I think of, um, I'd be surprised if you don't know this one, but Project M, basically the the hurt Smash Bros. Melee gamers that Brawl came out and they were mad. <laughs> and they're like, well, oh, we're yes, gonna I make this game this. more like Melee. So they basically went in, they added characters and levels that weren't there in Brawl like, Mewtwo, uh, they changed the physics up because they were angry about the physics in Brawl. Uh, they basically made Melee uh, 2.0. And I found that so interesting because it's just like, we didn't get what we wanted out of this game, so we're just going to make it ourselves. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was, that's crazy. Yeah. They changed the physics? Yeah. That's very ambitious. And this is definitely one of those um, not received well by the game developer because there's definitely been instances of like people on Nintendo message boards or like the Miiverse at the time. If like you mentioned Project M, you're banned immediately. <laughs> it's Whoa, like, we don't yeah. want, we don't, yeah, we're not associated with that. We don't want you being associated with it. Stop it. Um, so <laughs> okay, <I> th- <laughs> overlord. Can't even talk about it. Yeah, so I thought that was interesting. Wow, that's crazy. I don't remember having the name uh, Project M. Mm-hmm. I remember there being, because I didn't, unfortunately didn't get access to it, but I do remember there being 
I can't remember whatever the equivalent was of Game Shark for Nintendo GameCube, and they had kind of a similar thing where they had a homebrewed experience for Brawl, where they wanted to add, where they added Mewtwo Master Hand as a playable character mm. and some other stuff like that. How about yeah. that? I definitely think Project M, it, they reported that they had a lot of downloads. I mean, we can't know for sure, but it, it's received a lot of positive comments from players and reviewers and a player base supposedly of over 500,000. I don't know, but wow, <laughs> I don't know how much that's true or not, but I thought that was, um, I know when I've, I didn't know much about modding at the time, but when I heard about it, I was just amazed that there's Especially on a Nintendo game, we've talked about how a lot of times Nintendo games go out with a layer of polish and complete li- completeness, and I just couldn't imagine at the time of like, why would people be upset with Brawl? It's so much fun. So, yeah. yeah. I remember uh, Mr. Sakurai tried to make a more casual game, and the uh, community ended up yeah, like that was to the to your point of the you know other or Project M is he. It was trying to make a like a more casual game for you know a larger audience base and the community ended up making it just as competitive as exactly know. it's like to the community thinks oh we're we're fixing your game yeah. soccer is like no you're breaking my game <laughs> <Stop> <laughs> it. <laughs> i actually you know what in the course of this conversation i remembered i did play one modded game and i think it was something that they just like basically created a separate game but i think they took the original super mario bros and i forget what it's called i have to look it up but they basically you controlled peach at the end of they it's the same exact level and you're in the dungeon at the end and you control peach and you're basically playing the level backwards so it's all about a princess rescue herself story but you're basically playing super mario in reverse Oh, the social commentary. Yeah, it was definitely more of a social commentary game. It wasn't yeah. like, yeah, it was fun, but it's more about that. So I, I thought that's a, a cool way to yeah make social commentary. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, so another game that falls in that category this is a really popular one where the game is somewhat broken and has been fixed by fans through modding is the Dark Souls release for PC. I don't really care for Dark Souls. <clears throat> the only reason I even know about this is because my brother is like really good at it, so he loves it. I'm terrible at it, so I hate it. I think that's how <laughs> that goes. But ba- it's really odd. It's like that game is hugely popular. I'm talking about the first one. Yeah, It's hugely popular, and it got ported to PC, and apparently it's like total garbage. It's like you can't do a native aspect ratio that's 1080. It doesn't run it. Any, I think it's capped at 30 frames. So someone basically did a technical overhaul of it, and it's almost like a requirement to yeah, play it on PC. It. Yeah, I can't remember if it was they had it capped at 30 FPS or they had it at 60, but nobody could get it because it was poor coding. Mm. Yeah. Um, so somebody's like, I'm going to fix that. Yeah. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. But probably a little bit of the developer. I don't know. Maybe they're grateful for that because maybe people who otherwise would have been like, I'm not going to play this yeah. crappy version. And they're like, oh, it's fixed. I will buy it. Mm. And maybe it ends up being a good thing. Yeah. There's all kinds of uh, things like I remember uh, happening where I would play games that, you know, there would be software issues or bugs like that that kind of, you know, make it difficult to fully enjoy the game and then there's simple patches that you can download to that people have gone in the extra mile and fix the experience thank you nameless faceless non-paid person mm-hmm. now games just have beta early access where uh. <laughs> the developers are just mining for comments and bug fixes early before it's released <laughs> yep but i mean <laughs> all this to say is like i the concept of modding with it being free for the most part, unless you want a Bethesda kit, in which case you will have to fork over some cash. If I'm willing to fork over like 25 bucks for Spider-Man DLC or Xenoblade DLC, I think I'd, I'd be willing to fork over some money for some good mods. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the sheer amounts of mods that there are for a lot of these popular games and the level 
of quality and time and effort and energy that it put into those is just like that is just so and it's free unless Mostly. it's <laughs> god bless america <laughs> we live in this that's great just like country. that's so cool that you can buy a game and you can access you have access to this community where there's all this extra content that you can go and explore that's and fandom and that's why i love it at the end of the day for as much <laughs> toxicity as a lot of them have <laughs> yeah there's a cesspool we won't talk about but yeah, yeah. great things come out of it yeah yeah but i think like in recent years with you know the skyrim uh mod where the guy ended up getting to you know a job at bungie uh um the daisy game uh i think it's cool because i think it's putting a spotlight on a certain aspect of gaming where there's potential for people to get into that avenue of creating experiences and content for games that maybe one day sparks off of you know them becoming their own developer and creating their own unique games that you know allows for us as a whole to get to experience these new ideas and new games that yeah. potentially, you know, 10, 15 years ago wasn't as great of an opportunity there for to kind of launch the next new developer. Yeah, totally. Please continue tinkering with these games because everyone benefits from it. Yeah. And then you get beauties like being able to be Shrek riding a Thomas <laughs> the Trank engine through Hyrule Field and Breath oh, of the Wild. That's, that's I what will you get. say. What is that? It's awesome. We are Google. We are YouTubing this afterwards, so you can see that nonsense. Oh my gosh! Um, <laughs> is it as awesome as it sounds? One of the <laughs> things uh, that you said to your point um, that is also really cool is mods become very popular. Certain mods, like Thomas the Tank Engine, mm -hmm. and that mod gets implemented into other games. Yeah, what's you you made a note that are completely unrelated. No, exactly. That I thought you were talking about the Zelda Thomas the Tank Engine mod when I saw this note in the outline. You're like, no, it's Skyrim. I'm like, that's so cool. Basically, you know, <laughs> meme culture is influencing, you know, yeah. shared mods and. There's even a. So uh, yeah. This is this is hilarious. There's even a uh, mod for Battlefront Two that removes the head. <laughs> And the hands of Count Dooku in, <laughs> in the game. What? So you can play as him, uh, as a playable character without his head and without his hands, like post uh, episode three. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. That's so meta and I love yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, that's great. That's, oh. yeah. I, I think out of the three categories, I like the for shits and giggles uh, mods the yeah. most. <laughs> That's your on-ramp into this world. That's my on-ramp, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. See you next time.